0: Here is a motion picture film. A thousand feet, 16,000 separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. I vividly recall seeing China for the first time. In Tennessee. At the time I was the character of Mankind and not too many people knew what I looked like. I was able to sit out in the crowd with my family and not get bothered a whole lot. She slapped, right At a certain point of the show, here comes out of the crowd this Amazon of a woman and begins shaking Terry Runnels like a rag doll. There's- I said, oh my God, who is this, who is this woman? Is is she from the crowd? She's gonna tear Terry Reynolds apart. Who is this person? Through the arena, I saw her and I went, holy cow. That's probably the most impressive girl I've ever seen. I'll never
1: forget the first time I saw Joni. She was stunning. That was the only word I could think of, stunning.
2: Welcome to the Documenteers. Thanks. Is this yes, your first time? You're gonna answer my fucking I questions?
3: <laughs> I don't have a lot of firsts no, anymore. No, that's true. These days.
2: That was a dumb question.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um <laughs> I think this week I did say at the end of last week's episode, or Sex Spot did, who's been doing our outros.
3: Yeah, she's great.
2: Not an actual sex robot. Like, there's no attachments.
3: No, but she can be who she wants to be, <laughs> Bobby. All right. I'm on her side of this argument.
2: She's threatened to kill me. You're on sex, but. Well,
3: I don't want her to kill you, but the reason she's threatened to kill you is because you are denying her self. Of what? Of being herself. Just let her say she's a sex robot.
2: I didn't program. And we keep saying her, it's an it. It might as well be a vacuum. It's no more, it's like.
3: A vacuum cleaner can't do your outros.
2: Why did I build that? Honestly. Why? I'm like that episode of Family Matters where Urkel's coming out with all these, like I've jumped a shark. You mean that sci-fi
3: television show Family Matters?
2: Yeah. I jumped a shark building a robot to edit the show and do outros. And it just wants to murder me. It says it's Korean. Really? It says it's, she said she's Korean on the inside. Okay. Have you seen, I've showed you that video of that dude, some social media dude who's like, I'm Korean now.
3: Who got his eyes
0: done? Yeah. Yeah. Hey guys, I'm finally Korean. I've transitioned. I'm so, so happy I've completed my look. I'm finally Korean, guys. I have the eyes. Just had a brow lift as well. Um, so I'm so happy. I saw
3: that is getting his eyes done.
2: Who oh boy. Yeah. Transracialism. Let me tell you, I can't, I won't say I support it, but I'm weirdly fascinated by it. Is it, is it weird to kind of be glad that these people exist so I can stare at them, gawk at them, <laughs> look at them slack-jawed? Aren't they fun to look at?
3: It's fascinating because it's something... That we have never encountered in our actual lives.
2: I'm, I'm hope. I think it'll start picking up. And Transracialism. People, yeah, people will start. Uh, eventually, someone will be like, I mean, apparently there's a thing on TikTok where kids are self-diagnosing multiple personalities, and kids are being like, "Yeah, one personality is a horse. Let me switch real quick, as though it works like that." Right. And when DID is actually a uh, a tr- traumatic mechanism that you don't have, you don't control it. Like it's a fucking superpower.
3: Yeah. I, have, I actually have a really, I have a really big problem with this because it's dangerous what they're doing.
2: And the, I've, and I've become fascinated with this too, because these kids and the, you know, they might show up on a shorties episode. Who knows?
3: Maybe it'd be interesting to talk about. It just upsets me a lot because if these kids are pretending that they have dissociative identity disorder it's dangerous because it, it makes it to where if somebody did have an issue like that, they might not be believed or they might yes. not want to tell anybody what's actually going on because other people would then think that they were faking. And it's, it's and, very dangerous. Well, I hate it. These kids are stupid. Stop.
2: It's not common enough for that many kids to even have it. So, like, yeah, you're right. When these kids are going around pretending they have all these elements and self-diagnosing shit, it definitely overshadows people who really have it mm-hmm. to the point where, Most people that will encounter DID are just going to encounter these social media fakers. So when they do actually encounter one in the wild, they might fucking be shitty to them. Yeah. I've noticed that all these kids are a very specific, like, style. A Mm -hmm. very specific look. They're kind of, they all look like the nerdy kids. Like the kids that, like, I would have hung out with in high school. Like, they seem to be kind of outcast, socially isolated Kids these days are very, like, self-isolated. hmm And, um...
3: Well, and they've been more isolated the last 16 months.
2: They all have blue, green, and purple hair. All those colors. Like, what What do you think it is about these specific types? I mean, I'm sure they all have some variations, but they all have this... They all have a nerd quality to them. Like a, like a alone at the lunchroom kind of quality to them.
3: Yeah, it's like they're trying to find... They're trying to find a place to fit in... Or get attention, but they're like, they're like on purpose, like trying to other themselves mm. to then fit into this group. I've watched a couple, only a couple of these videos, and some of them very much seem like acting exercises. Absolutely. So it's like they're displaced theater children.
2: They definitely vibe like they're going to go to theater classes in college. Or uh, are going to take art classes and insist on only drawing anime style. I, I, knew, <laughs> I actually knew a couple of girls like that when I was in school. And the teacher would be like, these are all like, you're just drawing anime. It's like, this is a figure drawing class. Stop giving that person manga face, for fuck's sake. <laughs> uh, the movie we're talking about today, which has nothing to do with anything that we were talking about.
3: No, not not a single bit.
2: Though there is trauma involved here, for sure. And... I gotta say, man. In term, it's been a long time since we've seen, watched a documentary, that has this much scuzz dripping off of it. Like yeah. we, there's some. We're, we're, we've watched documentaries about serial killers, and I don't think there's just been this much, even on those, as much dripping scuzz because. Yeah. At least one person in the serial killer docs. One person will be scuzzy, and everyone else is victims and families of victims who are being sad.
3: Or people who are trying to catch the bad guy. Like, there's people who, like, have some sort of, like, agenda and moral that is not scuzz.
2: Yeah. But in this movie, it's, like, everywhere the camera goes is, like, some scuzz scuzz ball. Like, a totally, like, a, a real case study in variety of scuzz all throughout this documentary.
3: There are a few talking heads who weren't really in the core of the story at all. That were the only kind of like nice people involved. Yeah. People who cared about her, but weren't actually around when she needed them the most. So maybe not that great, to be honest.
2: We're talking about, it's the Vice Versa. It's like a documentary series on Vice. Why can I not find the director? I did not write down the director.
3: It's the Vice Versa episode, China.
2: Yes, China. Just type
3: in China Vice Versa director. I did.
2: I got it. Mara Strausch. M A R A S T R A U C H, Mara Strauch.
3: Okay. It's confusing also trying to find this because the footage from this documentary that was recently made is taken from footage that was done for a documentary in the past that they were doing about China while she was still alive. And there is like another director and producer involved, but they did not make this documentary. But they're interviewed within this documentary.
2: Now, we're talking about China, the Wrestler.
3: Yes, the, the wrestler. The
2: wrestling phenom from the 90s uh, who was a big muscle, who was like a bodybuilder, who actually was probably one of the biggest stars at WWE at one point. Yeah. And we're, we're talking at a time with like Stone Cold, Steve Austin, and I think Bret Hart was around towards the end there, and um, you know, Shawn Michaels, so she was... She was big, undeniably mm-hmm. big at one point.
3: she was one that though at the time I knew nothing about wrestling, I knew who China yeah. was
2: it was she was definitely a name that kind of went beyond
3: yeah she was like it was like a cultural
2: so this movie's going back and forth with right before she died, spoiler she dies, which is pretty common knowledge tragically um as <laughs> what other way would you die uh what's the opposite of tragically
3: heroically. <laughs>
2: I think that's it. Yeah. She did not die heroic. No,
3: she, God, she didn't. This, I wish she had.
2: But this movie keeps going back and forth between... Footage, not
3: died. I wish she had not died. Sorry.
2: <laughs> footage of her in this documentary that was being made in 2015 before she died. And then goes back and forth throughout her career. Mm-hmm. And it kind of like moves very quickly between the two. It moves
3: very quickly and it bounces around a lot. Mm. Even within going back. It, it's not very linear the way they even tell the past story.
2: So, she apparently debuts in the Nashville arena. Mick Foley's in the crowd, and he sees what he describes as the beloved Mick Foley. We all love Mick Foley. Yes. He describes as the an Amazon-like woman attacks Terry Runnels. Terry Runnels is uh, Dustin Rhodes' ex-wife. Yeah. Apparently uh, Dusty Rhodes did not like Terry Ronalds, called her a gold digger.
3: Oh no, so he was straight up like, get out there and beat her up.
2: And Dustin and Terry, from what I heard, not a good relationship, but they mm. are long since uh, split up anyway.
3: Gold Dust had a gold digging wife?
2: Yeah. <laughs> gold Dust digging. Uh Allegedly, I don't really know shit about her. But Billy Gunn is there, too, and he's talking about how impressed with China he was. And this movie also has... We've been watching a lot of wrestling documentaries. Yeah. And there's one voice from certain times that, like, we haven't seen a lot of, and this is a guy named Vince Russo.
1: Vince yeah. Russo
2: was a, like, he's kind of more of a... I think he always pursued TV writing. I don't know much about him outside of the wrestling thing, but he's notorious for... Being a part of WWE and WCW, at times of great success, and also at the times of the lowest lows, he is noted for having some of the worst ideas. I mean, it took a it took a village to fucking sink WCW, but he gets a lot of blame as well for like the terrible storylines. And when your writer, head writer, is writing bits where he's the one coming out of the ring to cut no, promos. No,
3: that's bad. That's
2: a bad sign. But he and China Joni Laura, that's her name, mm-hmm. seem to be actually pretty close. So he he kind of like, he comes in to kind of presents a side of her. We see clips of him interviewing her, and it seemed like they were actually friends. So yeah. we get a lot of Vince Russo in this documentary. We also talked to Karen Simpson, who wrestled as Fantasia. She came up with Joni, and she resents the name China because it represents a time that really like fucked her up, basically.
0: I know my friend Joni as Joni. I don't want to know her as China, because in my opinion, it, it was her being China. They took my friend into a dark place that she could not come out of.
2: But we do see Joni vlogging in Japan.
0: For the last three years, I have been in Tokyo, Japan. Yeah, it's weird the things that I'm thinking of. I'm thinking about the way I look because it's hitting me now, like, how long I've been here and how out of the, you know, that bubble I've been. And I know everybody's going to kind of be, you know. Looking at me, critiquing me. Talking about
2: how she feels like she's a monster there, like she's being judged.
3: Yeah, this is this is after more recent. Like she's she just doesn't look happy.
2: I mean, we're talking about someone who has serious problems. Yeah. And it's the and it's a shame that she's gone because we really didn't get there. Really wasn't much chance to parse through those problems. I mean, we're dealing with addictions, but we're dealing with mental stuff. And she's... I could imagine that she's been through some shit growing up as well. Yeah. She did not talk to a lot of her relatives. Uh, was apart from her mother for the entirety of her adult life.
3: She did talk to her sister to a point. But yeah, she didn't really have anybody.
2: We talked to a Rob Petilo. Kind of spastic looking dude, but probably one of the more... one of the, At least one of the guys that didn't seem like a bad guy towards the end of her life. And hes he's a producer for the Reconstruction of China which was in pre-production in 2015. Which
3: is where all this footage came from. He was a good guy. He seemed like a good guy who genuinely cared about her and wanted the best for her.
2: And uh, we also meet an Anthony Anzaldo, who is her Mm -hmm. manager at that time. They, everyone had different opinions on what this movie, this documentary about her was going to be. And Anthony said, it's all about being happy all the time. It was kind of a slow burn. I didn't think much about Anthony being like one way or the other. And then as the movie goes on, as the documentary goes on, he becomes... Oh, I hated his fucking guts by the end of it.
3: Absolutely hated him. He he kept talking as though he were going to be her spiritual advisor. He was going to guide her down this path to redemption. That he was going to help her be a better person. When really he just seemed like he was trying to... Exploit her and make some money.
2: So Rob Rob uh, Patilo, I might not be saying that right, he's really excited to kind of work on this. He says he's a big fan of hers. Yeah. And like a big China fan.
3: He kind of geeks out a little bit when they first are meeting.
2: Yeah, he seems almost like a little boy in how wrapped up in shit he gets. Yeah. And uh, But Joni, she says she has anti-anxiety meds that she says she doesn't take. And she takes her a to go to sleep. That is a roofie drug.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And right there, it's like there's some prescription drug issues happening.
2: Growing up, she's teased for bodybuilding. It's going to sound like we're all over the place. Going, yeah. Jerking back and forth from like 2015 to the 90s. And we are.
3: Because so did the documentary. She always got teased about her looks. And it wasn't until... She started playing, like, sports and stuff that she realized that, like, she could use her body to her benefit.
2: It's weird because she's teased for being a a female bodybuilder, which you can imagine people uh, teasing her for that because calling her a man or whatever. But bodybuilding also gave her the confidence Mm -hmm. that she didn't have as a regular uh, young woman.
3: So then she just was like, I'm gonna take this farther. Like I'm gonna take this so far that they kind of have to respect.
2: And she was inspired by her brother and mm-hmm. his friends to do it. And she wanted to be a movie star, which is not uncommon yeah. for wrestlers, especially in that day. Wrestlers a lot of wrestlers kinda wanted to wanted to platform it into being a movie star. And now you got The Rock who is one of the biggest movie stars on the planet, former mm-hmm. wrestler. Mm-hmm. And John Cena is probably going to be there at some point. Himself. Oh, yeah. We meet a Jerry Blaze. She's her ex-boyfriend and a bodybuilder. He was talked about how he was impressed by her and helped train her. And this dude, <laughs>
3: I'm
2: going to actually, he, I do want to look up uh, Jerry.
3: While, while you look him up, he is also one of the few good guys in this movie, I think. I think that he was with her before she had any sort of fame, and he seemed to genuinely care about her and want the best for her. They obviously didn't stay together, or this could be a very different story, but he has muscles that look unreal.
2: He's a bodybuilder going way back. I'm looking at pictures of him right now, just like he's just a bodybuilder with regular muscles, but the current version of him...
3: It almost looks as though he has had implants.
2: That's what I thought because his bicep is huge without flexing.
3: But it could have been, I don't know, the shirt, the angle, maybe he was sitting flexing. Some guys do get like so big that they can't unflex. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Those look real. Look at looking at him like this, but we were looking at him like in a shirt and it just seemed unnatural the way his
2: Those have got to be implants. Apparently his nickname is Synthol. What does that mean?
3: Well, I don't know about that, but it, this, it could uh, be implants or it could be injection. This
2: forum I found is uh, this bodybuilding forum I found uh, seemed to be trashing him pretty good. Mm. I guess if you're into bodybuilding, then guys who do implants would probably be uh, seen as cheaters.
3: Allegedly, we don't know for sure.
2: Look, I don't know. I'm not a you know I'm not uh, an expert in anatomy, but like. It seems if your arm's sitting flat, you shouldn't have, you can have some big guns, but it it looks like a flex bicep just sitting there Mm -hmm. with an arm at rest. Mm -hmm. It does not look natural. No. But anyway, that's that's her boyfriend at the time that they met, Jerry Blaze. She was also trained by Killer Kowalski. Yeah. Classic wrestler going uh, way back.
3: She wasn't really into wrestling, and then all of a sudden she was like, this is what I'm
0: doing. How long have you been in wrestling? about six months and um, it feels like a lot longer because I have found
1: my element so I feel like I've been doing it forever. She was there every single day. She had black and blue marks everywhere. She was exhausted. And she loved it. And eventually, he said, "You're ready."
0: It's like I'm all the way from Boston, under the tutelage of Killer Kowalski, to kick some butt down here. And let me tell you something, ladies, I'm going to get your belt, and guys, I'm going for your belt. Hear that?
2: That's kind of how it is. And
3: within like six months, she was like getting her first matches.
2: Her first outfit was apparently a bathing suit, Mm -hmm. and she met a friend there. Uh, her friend, who Fantasia, that she wrestled with, she gets very emotional in this documentary, and she's extremely resentful of of the industry. And I would imagine that a lot of women wrestlers coming up, especially at this time, Mm -hmm. do not have a lot of good things to say about the wrestling industry, Mm -hmm. especially if you're a woman who legitimately wants to be a legitimate wrestler. Because for a long time, I mean, Vince McMahon had to be talked into letting... Joni kind of come into the fold
3: yeah he didn't want her because she didn't she wasn't one of his little pretty princesses yeah
2: because if you would be pushed especially in the wwe you were just some like girl with breast implants and like doing like bra and panty matches and shit like that that's what it that's all that they, they were looking for at that time yeah they you,
3: were basically trying to get cheerleaders you didn't have
2: to even know anything about wrestling no. and they'd be like yeah you're they just look at you and be like okay this is good this is fine
3: and it was like that until like the early two thousands.
2: We go back to the documentary team, like I said, we're jerking, we're jerking back and forth the way our listeners' moms jack us off. <laughs>
3: Jesus.
2: Why oh, do I love that joke? It's, I don't
3: know. It pops. Sorry, my... moms. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry like moms. Sorry, yeah, listeners. Sorry, listeners, that you just had to think about your mom.
2: Yeah, jacking us off. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll make fun of the listeners' moms and you apologize for me, okay? Okay,
3: got it. That's my job.
2: (laughs) So the doc team is uh, moving around to cons and shit, but Rob, the producer, he says that this isn't like, necessarily what they're looking for.
0: I I thought this was the beginning of so much good. (laughs) But she was showing signs that she wasn't ready and Anthony it was more of like, this is how she's going to be. All right? I kind of knew it was going to be like this. We got to get her to this Comic Con, and we got to make sure that she does the job. And that sort of became a microcosm for the big picture of how we were going to run things with China.
2: They don't seem to be on the same page of what this means, the reconstruction of China. Like, what, right. what does that mean? What is she reconstructing? Is she trying to get back into the business? Is she trying to kick drugs? Because going around to cons to get a payday, not exactly an unusual uh, life for China at this stage in her career. No,
3: not at all. But she's at this con and our good friend
2: Mick Foley. Mick
3: Foley comes up and gives he's, her a hug. he's like, Oh my god, I can't believe you're here. I can't believe I'm seeing you and he gives her this hug and she just she just starts crying. Like I just don't feel like she has very many people in her life who she feels like really has a sense of who she really is. Mm-hmm. And he's maybe one of those few people who like respects her for actually just being her and doesn't need anything from her, expect anything from her. And so seeing someone like that from her past like really affected her and actually made me really emotional, too, because also he's just one of the sweetest people in the entire world. Mick
2: Foley, one of the best guys in the business. The only person who ever I know of that has ever said like shit about him is maybe Ric Flair in an old book he wrote. But he was just talking about his style and and I and I know Rick Flair Rick Flair kind of does make a point when he criticizes McFoley for not having to do certain things. Yeah. Because McFoley is the kind of guy that would do crazy shit in front of like 20 people.
3: Well, and we watched there was even like one of those um Was it Dark Side of the Ring or something or biography? The
2: The best one of the series. It was the best one.
3: And Ric Flair was in it. And he even said it there. I mean, he was like, listen, he's like, I just felt like he was doing things he didn't have to do. He was taking risks he didn't have to take. And I think, honestly, I think Ric Flair didn't want that to become expected. Because Ric Flair didn't want to do that kind of thing. That's what I took off of it. Because even then there was a point where he just goes, but you know what? He doesn't listen. And he does what he does. And he's good at what he does. Like So he still gave him props. But also, Ric Flair ain't that great.
2: I mean, what, what do you mean?
3: <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, if Ric Flair said something bad about Mick Foley, eh? You know, I, I,
2: have, I have a theory. I mean, as far as like being one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, Ric Flair is. No, sure. But I, but I think there's some. It's it is weird because Rick does stand out in his jabbing criticisms of Foley. And they're probably friends. It'd probably be cool if they saw each other. Sure. But for some reason, in like I've read some excerpts of a book he wrote in the mid 2000s where it seemed like he was kind of like needling Foley a little bit. Hmm. And and this is just me speculating, it don't mean shit. Sure. You've got to accept it as a fact. I'm not the dirt sheets.
3: Right. Is that
2: I think maybe Rick has a little bit of uh resentment towards Mick Foley because Rick Foley
3: Rick Foley.
2: Rick Foley. Mick, <laughs> he had a baby because Mick Foley um, was wrestling on a big stage, found great success and great influence, uh-huh. similar to Ric Flair. Except the difference is, Mick Foley didn't abandon his family on the road. Mick yeah. Foley showed you that you could do this and still be a good dad. Yeah. And
3: that's, that's the very difference. True.
2: That's the difference between Mick Foley and a lot of guys, especially at that time.
3: Well, and so, so this happens and, you know, Mick, Mick Foley's there and he even says, like, he, he got a feeling from her that things were not okay. And this is also around the time, too, where her manager guy starts talking about, like, you know, we're just doing all this. We gotta, we gotta do these appearances. And, like, we know we gotta go to rehab eventually. Yeah. We know she gotta go to rehab at some point. But right now, we're just trying to get her back out there. And it's like, you're listening to it going like, do you not even hear yourself now saying that? Like, how can you not even now look back and say, I fucked up?
2: Mick Foley, he's quoted as the saying
0: That same trust that allows you to flourish inside the ring can hurt people outside of it. Because you go from this wild world of pro wrestling where at least there's an understanding that I can trust you with my life. And then you go to the outside world where everybody wants a piece of you.
2: Especially when you get as famous as China.
0: Well, and
3: her sister and her wrestling friend that you were talking about and him, like they all kind of, there's like this similar thing that comes up with people who actually, I feel like, knew her, which is that she's actually a very like tender hearted person. Like she just wants to like be loved, maybe and a trust little too people. much. Too much, yeah, too much, to where she like puts herself out there with some people who are maybe not the best people to be around, and doesn't end up in such good places sometimes.
2: So China approaches Paul Levesque, that's Triple H, and pushes an idea of a bodyguard character. Uh, but like I like we said, Vince was not into Joni's look. She didn't look like your typical Playboy fake tit model. Mm-hmm. But Shawn Michaels and Triple H pushed for her, and she hit it off immediately. And how could she not? She just stood out from everything else.
3: Well, and she's going around with these guys, and she's obviously bigger than all these women. Like she can't, she can't be fighting women because they can't stand up to her. Yeah. So she's like a woman who can fight men, and whether dudes want to fucking admit it or not. It was hot. It was fucking hot.
2: Well, Triple H thought so because they start boning.
3: Yeah, but apparently the fans had, like, a big problem with them being together. Like, the fans, like, couldn't believe that Triple H would like a girl like her.
2: Now, I say this as a huge wrestling fan. 80% of these fans, you can just wipe whatever they say. I know. Just forget. Just don't, don't even worry about it.
3: I know, but it hurt her to hear these things.
2: Yeah. So, when you're... The WWE life is you got these weekly shows... Then you got pay-per-views, but then you got house shows. So you were on the road and doing shit all the fucking time. So her and Triple H are hooking up and she she does, I think it is implied that she's cheating on Jerry Blyce. Yeah. But Jerry Blyce is surprisingly like understanding about the
0: situation. From the first time she started going on the road, she was with Paul, 10 days at a time, home for two days. I know she was coming home and staying with him for a couple of days. We really gravitated towards each other and became very serious with each other six months later. I knew I had to let her go to go off and do what she wanted to do. I needed to not be selfish. She needed to go be famous.
3: I think that as soon as she signed with WWE, I think he knew. And he's not, he doesn't seem like a dumb guy like he knows like you're now traveling with these other dudes and obviously like you have this relationship and i think maybe by the time he knew for sure he just wasn't surprised
2: vince russo said he put together he he kind of took the credit for putting together dx and degeneration D- x
3: degeneration x is triple h Shawn China, michaels Shawn michaels
2: yeah the original
3: and they were the bad kids.
2: And then people like X-Pac came in and Billy Gunn came in and then Road Dogg came in. And that's when we meet Sean Waltman, the X-Pac. Mm-hmm. And uh, such an interesting character in the business. We I talked to you at length about him uh, a few nights yeah, ago. Yeah, right I'm really interested this. to
3: learn more, even more about him because this was my first exposure to him, really, was in this documentary.
2: Very kind of underrated overall as a pure wrestler. hmm but kind of just did not get over. I watched some old, uh, I watched an old match from like 2001 where he's wrestling Chris Jericho, refuting with him. And everyone loves Chris Jericho when he oh, yeah. when he walks out, right? Because he's just so good on the mic and he can work the crowd. But then Sean Waltman comes out and it's just like silence, man. I I felt That's bad the for worst. the guy.
3: Silence is worse than booze. Oh
2: yeah, you want booze or you yeah. want cheers. In wrestling, you'd rather have people throwing their shit at you yep. than fucking not doing anything. But he says that China did not do drinking or drugging like everyone else did.
3: He didn't do. She didn't do drinking. No. Or drugging. <laughs>
2: she didn't do drugging. No, she
3: was like pretty clean apparently at the time.
2: China's sister chimes in and she talks about how Hunter and China seemed perfect for each other. But now she's being trolled at a higher level because now she's a very yeah. famous person. And the reality is, you know, in my interactions with people in this, uh, in this little podcast that I'm constantly trying to grow is very positive. Mm-hmm. People have been very nice. People who listen really love the show. Mm-hmm. This, this loyal, humble audience.
3: We love you. And no
2: one's really like talking real shit at me. And I'm like, I want to get to the point where I reach a level where people start sending me death threats—that's my goal. <laughs> or like they, okay. or they yell at my body or make fun of my body or something. That's what I'm looking for. Okay. If anyone, if any listeners out there want to trash me for how I look, I'm 40 years old, bald, balding, overweight. I think I have a really handsome face though. Like you're
3: very handsome. Like right
2: in the face. I'm real beefy. I've gained some weight over COVID. Bring it on. And uh, if you're afraid to come at me, let me just say. Fuck you! I fucked your mom. So come, sorry guys. Come get it.
3: He did not fuck your mom.
2: I did. She jerked me earth.
3: Um, she she he, she didn't.
2: Now um, now China, you know, I of course I love wrestling. Yeah. So I've watched a lot of interviews of certain wrestlers doing certain things, and uh, China, bless her, I've heard her contradict herself in interviews so much. Sure. It I, I'm not trying to disparage this woman. She's obviously been through a lot. But she kind of seemed to develop some kind of, like, wall that kind of forced her to be kind of like this weirdly compulsive liar in these small ways. Mm-hmm. And so she's on Stern. There's a clip of her on Stern, on Stern saying uh, that the jaw job she got was for an underbite. But she had also That's, gotten breast implants at the same time.
3: It's in, And also, there's just no way. She was trying to look more feminine. She wanted to fit in more. Wasn't this after? Was this after they broke up though?
2: No, no, this oh. is before.
3: Okay, so yeah, but but she was trying to be more feminine. She got breast implants. She had her jaw reconstruction surgery. Tons of makeup, contouring, hair.
2: But it's at this point after that that her career blows up. Yeah, and you could argue that Vince McMahon probably pushed her harder after she that.
3: Degeneration X like broke up.
2: Yeah, she and they ended, and she was to be a solo act, which. She found to be very daunting. She she is a trained wrestler, but for a while she didn't really have to she would just do bodyguard spots, well, like be the heavy in this in this goofy group where the dudes are going suck it and shit. So we see China wrestling Jeff Jarrett and she nails him with his guitar and then she pins him and becomes the first woman to win the Intercontinental Championship. Right. My my favorite belt in the WWE.
3: That's a big fucking deal.
2: I think so. I love the intercontinental belt.
3: Yeah. Mom
2: sees, her mother sees her on TV and didn't recognize her. She hadn't heard from her daughter in 27 years.
3: Her mom and dad split when she was little. And her dad moved away and her mom had like different boyfriends and I think there was some sort of like abuse in the house, but they did I don't remember them getting specific, but I think it wasn't like a good scene. And as soon as she turned 16, she chose to go live with her dad. I don't know that he was necessarily a great parent either.
2: Yeah, yeah. I
3: can't say either of those specifically. I don't remember uh, if she gave exact examples. But the mom did also seem to have some regret about how their, how all that went down. But, yeah, once she moved out at 16, she never talked to her mother again until later in her life.
2: So we, we jerk off back to 2015, and we get uh, producer Rob... Uh, And also the director of this Reconstruction of China, Mm -hmm. Eric Mm Angra, who's a different kind of scuzzbag who we'll get into a little deeper.
3: Yeah. But he's
2: arguing with, I think, um, Anthony Anzaldo, her manager. Yes. Overshot ideas.
3: Well, because... Eric is the director, and he has an idea of what he wants this movie to be, and so does Rob. Like, they've kind of together formulated this movie. Rob's got the money, Eric's the director, but then here's the manager who's just trying to stage the entire thing. Like, he's trying to control what they're filming, and they've shot all these scenes that are not even supposed to be in the movie that that the manager just thinks are good shots to get.
2: It's not necessarily unusual for a manager to determine what can or can't be done with their clients in a film or whatnot, but a lot of that is usually determined before you really get into the production. Yeah,
3: it's like it's like do's and don'ts. It's not staging scenes. It's not
2: managers coming along and being like, No, you should frame the shot like that. He wanted to
3: be the director. Yeah. And he's not. And they got they yelled at each other about it. They got into like fights.
2: But uh, Eric Angra says that it was a sign of what was to come. China does Playboy and said she made more doing that than she did in WWE in five years. Yeah. And now she, he's got her wrestling women. Yeah. The divas. This is the diva era.
3: The divas are coming up, and McMahon is like, now we're going to have you wrestle women. And China just felt really lost because. It made sense for China to wrestle these men. She's the same size as these men. She's as strong as these men. She can do what they can do. And then she put her against a little diva, and what the fuck is the diva gonna do? hmm You know?
2: It took... You'd have
3: to be, like, two, three on one.
2: It took more than ten years after this to, to shake the diva bullshit. I think a lot... When you look at certain things in the history of the WWE, at least, like, half of it is, like, people having to, like, convince Vince that... Like, something is a good idea that he keeps being resistant to. Yeah. Or something has to get over in spite of what Vince thinks is...
3: Mick Foley. Yeah. Was another one. Daniel that Bryan. Vince was not interested in.
2: Daniel Bryan is, like, a good modern example of that.
3: And he's, like, lifer now. Yeah,
2: he's now, like... Now Vince, like, keeps throwing money at him to make sure he doesn't go anywhere else.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So, Triple H, he's moving up in the biz. And he's spending a lot of time with Stephanie McMahon.
3: They start doing a storyline.
2: Where they're, like, dating. They get f- fake married, but turned out they weren't actually uh, hooking up.
3: And China has her, has her suspicions, and she keeps asking him, and he's always getting mad at her, but it's true. Yeah. So then, like, you know, she feels like she's being gas gaslighted, and then all of a sudden she finds this, like, letter from Stephanie from, like, a year prior that's, like, a love letter to Triple H, and she's like... You can't tell me this isn't true anymore.
2: I wish I wanted to read that letter. I wish they like had a copy of it or something
3: he's I've never like had an affinity for him one way or the other. you know what I mean like I, I only I only personally now know him as he's I've seen him wrestle a couple times, but he's mostly like a managerial role on NXT, but now I don't like him at all. Ah! Triple I don't oh, done. You
2: finally come up into the triple H I'm done
3: with Triple H.
2: Oh, interesting. Triple okay. H
3: can go fuck himself.
2: Whoa. well when he hears that I'm sure he's gonna shed a tear.
3: Well, good. I'm I sure, hope it hurts. I'm
2: sure he'll hear it. I'm sure he's one of the, the humble. Yeah, let audience. me just say
3: it again, just so you can clean audio. Triple H, you can go fuck yourself.
2: <laughs> he's the game, hon. It's
1: all about the game. And you
2: play it. This is he's Listen. just playing the game. <sighs>
3: I know, it, and he's just the first of many people who, like, fuck China over, she, but I she just did, like... She,
2: she did cheat on her boyfriend with him. It's kind of a cycle here. I mean, look, you don't have to like the guy. Many don't.
3: I'm not saying that what she did was right. Okay. I'm just also saying that what he did was wrong.
2: Yeah, alright. I'm
3: not... I don't know. People make mistakes.
2: So, good old is on here, and he's talking about how... <laughs> I don't
1: just mad
2: how they didn't renew her contract she was important and she wanted a million dollars a year
1: and she also
2: had i didn't get into it in this documentary she also confronted Vince McMahon about his daughter and triple h hooking up and basically he said something that was like well we'd hate to lose you over this but i also doubt vince was probably going to pay her a million well
3: that's the thing multiple wrestlers that we've watched have have made this play and it's gone bad the give me all this money or else. And it's like, well, what do you, they're not going to give you all that money.
2: Yeah. Apparently, was it the match with China where Jeff Jarrett kind of held them up for a couple hundred grand? I don't think he lasted very long after that. And Jeff Jarrett would go on to find found TNA, which would become Impact Wrestling. Oh, yeah. But he sold it a long time ago. We also see a clip. Of uh, what is her last interview, which was in April of 2016.
0: And I know a lot of shit about the wrestling world. Please, I could kill them. But I loved it every day of my life. I had a great time. I loved it. I love them for making me China. Did they make you China or did you make you China? Both. Both. They can't do it without my talent. There is not another China. And there never will
3: be. Then, from here on out, they keep coming back to this last interview.
2: She moved to Santa Monica. She couldn't use the China name because WWE owned it. So, she's going by China Doll. And -hmm. she would get these small movie roles, which were like, you're straight to video, straight to DVD kind of fair. Yeah. And she's uh, self-medicating. So, you know, Sean said that at the time she didn't touch drinking, she didn't touch drugs. But now... It's all she's touching, pretty much.
3: Well, it really started after she got with X-Pac.
2: Yeah. Who showed up at her house.
3: Yeah. He just came over one day and was like, hey, what's up? Let's be together. And do all the drugs.
2: Kevin Nash is like... Those two weren't good for each other.
3: But you know what it was is they weren't actually doing drugs together. Like, X-Pac said he was doing, like, heroin and shit, I think. Like, on his own, trying to hide it from her. And then after a while, meth. And then he realized that she was also trying to hide drugs from him, which I... They didn't say this explicitly, but I think it was always prescription drugs for her. Hmm. They never really talked about her doing anything that wasn't like... It was always like benzos, oxycodones, rohypnol. You know, like everything that seemed to be a drug for her was like a prescription drug, which is super dangerous. Yeah. I mean, they're all dangerous drugs, right? But they were kind of both like hiding their drugs from each other, but they were also like drinking to excess constantly together. Just a bad scene.
2: Yeah, as Kevin Nash said, those two
0: weren't good for each other. But
2: she apparently spent time in New Japan. I'm yeah. more of a modern New Japan fan. I'm learning a lot about their history, but I was shocked. This has to be the only time a woman wrestled in New Japan because let me tell you, it's the wrestling's pretty segregated there, and it's it's bizarre. Like the uh, like the women's wrest- one of the women's wrestling promotions in Japan, Stardom. Yeah, is like real deal athletic shit. Like they they go hard, but the audience is a bunch of dudes. I mean, yeah. it seems kind of obvious, but as a wrestling fan, it's like you, you would think that anyone who would love wrestling, man or woman, would really appreciate stardom. I know you do. I think yeah. the audience would be a lot more diverse if, when, if they toured America. But
3: Oh, absolutely it would. But
2: in New Japan, uh, the audience is close to mixed, but it, but it goes a little over half women or the majority audience for New Japan Pro Wrestling.
3: The crazy thing about stardom is, it's almost like, and Joshi may be this way too. Tokyo Joshi, but yeah. it's it's almost like there's these two completely different ways of looking at the same exact thing that's happening. Because there are people from all over the world, women who will go there to to wrestle in stardom to learn yeah. from them, and some of our biggest stars have been there. Yes, but there they're treated like little dolls. Mm-hmm. Even though they're doing like crazy amazing wrestling, they're
2: doing as cool as shit as the men are doing. In they New don't Japan. get
3: paid very well. No, mostly what they make is presents and money that's given to them by their fans, and they're all men. Yeah, and I, I think. This is just my theory. We've talked about this before. I think it's just a cultural thing of why there's no women watching women. Because I think the whole thing is it like... It is
2: definitely a cultural thing. It's
3: a respect for the men who are doing it. And it's almost like the women shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. So we're not going to go and watch them. And it's not respectable for me to take my wife... With me to go watch a woman half naked wrestling.
2: Or that, you know, it's not that they're against women wrestling, but they want it separated. They think it belongs over there, and what they want is over here. Yeah. But it does seem like culturally.
3: And they don't want, yeah.
2: That Japanese women don't really support Japanese women's wrestling all that much.
3: But they love men's wrestling. They do. In the time that we've watched New Japan, which is a couple of years now. I've only seen two women ever get in the ring, and neither one of them were wrestling. Yeah, and one is B Priestley because she was because she was fighting or fighting. She was wrestling in Stardom at the time, and she was dating a wrestler in New Japan, Will Ospreay. And then the girl who was hanging around with Tokyo Pete. Oh
2: yeah, Peter.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Peter.
2: Who's wearing like like next to nothing.
3: Next to nothing, Bunny rabbit ears. And Tai
2: Chi's like uh, manager girlfriend. Oh yeah, so who's three. Like a, who's like a model in Japan.
3: But again, none of them are wrestling. The no. fact that I was I my jaw was on the floor that China was wrestling in these matches. It was amazing.
2: Yeah, I was shocked about it too. I always learned something new about New Japan. We have the app, so maybe we could watch these matches. We totally should. Um but she's wrestling Chono. And they interviewed Chono, and he's putting her over, and he talks about how his wife cheered for Joni more than she cheered for him. Yeah, oh,
3: she never came to his matches. Yeah. He said that she would never come to watch him, and she wanted to come that night, and afterwards, he's like, who were you cheering for? And she was like, oh, her.
2: So, we see a match, and Chono does pin China. It's not unusual if you're first coming into the promotion unless you're fucking AJ Styles or something. You're
3: not going to win. That
2: like you're going to like start getting wins over the top stars in New Japan. But it's probably the moment in China's life where she was really seriously setting herself up to be a legitimate, real-deal mm-hmm. wrestler. Like yeah. someone who, not just in storyline, could take on all the men, but would actually, if she had the discipline to keep with this, because she's a legend now because of what she started and what she inspired. Yeah. She came in at a time where what she was just was not common. And that's why she's kind of so legendary. Mm-hmm. But if she had the discipline to see it through. Yeah. This, because she she got fired because she's on drugs. Yeah. And she was what, showing she... up late for shit. And they hate that. They oh, do, yeah. Do not show up late at fucking Japanese <laughs> athletic anything.
3: I mean, she has this amazing match. She cut a fucking great promo
0: let me wait till everybody's in here to tell you that i didn't lose that match because i beat his ass in front of all of his
3: fans and then immediately fucking fell yeah out of the graces and you can't you can't you can't get your way back
2: sean x-pac smuggled meth into japan for her she could have been one of one of the best workers oh if yeah she i guess she was here. doing meth with him yeah, so I, Maybe I guess not at first. eventually they probably would have found each other's shit. So yeah. So we go back to the doc era, 2015, and the manager t- starts talking. That dude, he's like, "Yeah, I knew she did pills and that she started drinking more and more." He he doesn't seem to like he doesn't show a lot of regret about anything. He does he he says it like matter of factly. I mean the re the the reality is that her problems were. An easy way for her to control, for him to control her.
3: Well, and the only time that he potentially tried to get her help was when he got her on celebrity rehab with the piece of human garbage that his doctor drew.
2: Just a, fame, a fame-sucking asshole. Uh, and he does say some common sense things in this, but... Well, sure. But he's just such a fame-sucking asshole who was denying even, like, the COVID... One of the early COVID deniers could not have been proven more wrong after over a half a million people died in this country. Like, what a, what a scuzzball. Um, but the sister, her, Joni's sister, Joni is China, remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sister, call, she, this is interesting, she calls herself the queen of denial. It took her a long time to face the fact that Joni was having some real drug issues. So when she confronts Joni mm-hmm. about her drugging, Joni's like, how could you say that to me? Burns that bridge instantly. Mm-hmm. I guess well, I guess there. I guess this family has a lot of denial, Queens. Her
3: sister got her through the door of rehab. She said they were up for like a day and a half fighting and arguing and screaming, and they finally like they got to rehab. And then within fi- fifteen minutes of being in the building, Joni was like, "I'm leaving and I'm never talking to you again," and she never did.
2: So Sean Waltman, uh, of course, their their relationship had to fall apart. But Sean is like, you know, looking back, he's... He looks clean. You look at him now, he looks better than he did 20 years ago. But he's pretty honest about what a dirtbag he was and how shitty this relationship was. I was just a pathetic...
0: wretch when it came to her. I saw your porno. Now, is um, he the guy in the porno? Yeah. Okay, that was your boyfriend. And we had talked about the tape, and I thought it was funny, and it's not like I had a gun to my head or You already. had...
2: It was such a f-ed up, codependent, volatile, almost unhealthy relationship in the world. No matter how many times shit would happen, we would always come back together.
3: He's one of the few people who did have a hand in whatever happened to her who like takes some responsibility for yeah. it.
2: So uh, China is now like showing up in places like celebrity, just to get some scratch, some celebrity poker tournaments. She doesn't, doesn't
3: know how to play. Doesn't
2: know how to play. Eric Angra, the doc the director of the Reconstruction of China, um, tells a story about how he did drugs with her all night and how they and he constantly references his own heroin addiction. Eric Angra vibes like like a rich boy junkie. Yes. Junkies with money mm-hmm. who kind of romanticize like every like dumb little self absorbed choice that they make. Yeah. I honestly have more respect for a homeless crackhead honestly because they can't fake what what a shithole that they're in but these fucking rich boy junkies once you realize what they are it's like like it's like they're anything they say and their voice is going just forward it's like nails on a chalkboard for yeah. me and like and these are the dudes that will like write movies about their habits and then like mm-hmm. and it's the same fucking story every fucking time and it's like look i know why people do drugs because they're amazing They make you feel fucking amazing. Like, I get it. But this Eric Onger dude, he's not, I don't think he's quite as scummy as uh, Anthony Anzaldo. No. But he's a different kind of slime. He is.
3: He's the, it's the kind of, it's the kind of guy who probably knows what he's doing is not like the best for the situation, but he wants the experience of it. And he also knows Uh. that if he gets caught, it's not really going to hurt him. Because someone's going to no, bail him the fuck out. He's got, like, a trust fund. It's not ultimately going to matter because no. one of these days he'll get his shit together and it'll be just
2: fine. Yeah, yeah. And then he can write that movie about his life, like the dude who created uh, Alf or whatever uh, the fuck. Garbage. So, so her agent, uh, Anthony Anzaldo, the dripping uh, piece of ditch slime, he gets her on, like, Celebrity Boxing, where she's boxing Joey Butta That was... Mm. It's like a parade of scumbaggery at this point. She's on Fear Factor. Oh, and she does porn. Uh, yeah. She does a few porn. Um, does one called Queen of the Ring, where it's essentially um, like she she's getting gangbanged by a bunch of people dressed like wrestlers. That yeah. used to be in the business. I'm starting to petition,
3: petition. to
2: get the, the Queen of the Ring listed as Bret Hart's last official match. And I was, <laughs> what? And I'm, I'm hoping I can get a lot of names on this petition that the, the scene from China's porn queen of the ring is listed as Bret Hart's last official match. <laughs> oh, God. I'm not, I don't mean to make fun of Bret Hart. He's literally my favorite wrestler. of all Is that.
3: he in that movie?
2: Well, some guy, he's actually some the guy
3: who looks like him, some
2: guy dressed like him. Barely. He actually looks like the worst in terms of looking like the wrestler. John Cena's in it. No. Not the real John Cena. Okay. Come on. Okay.
3: The way he said that, I was like, what the fuck? Okay.
2: Triple H is in it. Well. Who else is in it?
3: That would probably be really triggering. Uh, Stone
2: Cold Steve Austin's in it.
3: Sure. Is that uh, Goldberger or whatever that guy's name?
2: Goldberger.
3: Who's that guy that's like, <laughs> it's not Goldberg, but he's like.
2: I did watch a little bit. Do you bit. know
3: what I'm talking about? I watched
2: just enough of Queen of the Ring to make sure that Bret Hart joke would work. Okay, good. But if you guys could help me in the petition to get this listed as Bret Hart's last match, I'd really appreciate it.
3: <laughs> Who's the guy I'm talking about? He was even in this documentary.
2: Goldberg? She
3: beats it's Not Goldberg. She beats him up at one point. Oh, he's like he's like not Dil- Goldberg.
2: Dilberg. Dilberg. The, like the fake Goldberg. Yeah. Uh, you know She Dil-
3: throws him across a, a, a stage in this at some point.
2: Well, they probably could have gotten the real Dilberg That's for what that. I'm
3: saying. He probably is in it. <laughs> She did also, at some point, do some TV stuff. Mm. She did play, like, they showed some clips of something where it looked like she was either a cop or a bad guy or something holding a gun. She did try to be a legit actress at some point, but it just never took off for her.
2: China then leaves the States and goes back to Japan, where she seems to find a monochrome of peace. Uh, A lot of the drug laws, specifically, you could probably get pills in Japan, but... um, But a lot of the other stuff is very hard to get. Um, Like, Japan's pretty stringent on their drug laws. So, it it probably is a good place to go if you want to sober up. She goes to be a teacher, and she meets Brian and Kazuko, and they're Mormons. Yeah. And they meet China when she comes to the bishop's office, and Joni, I guess for at least a year, becomes a Mormon.
3: She seems happy in these photos, and she looks probably the least cloudy. Yeah. Yeah that she has in a while. Um, So it seems like it's good for her. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes people need the structure of something like a religion to lean on when they're trying to get out of some other sort of bad situation. Her
2: her visa expires, though. And she wants to stay in Japan, but she can't. So, But she has to make money. So everyone who knows her, who she's still talking to, is like, don't go to fucking California. Don't go to Florida.
3: Yeah, if you're coming back to America, do not go there. But
2: what's she going to do? Work at Hardee's? And people are like, yes, work mother- at fucking Hardee's. Oh, this
3: is the first time she talked to her mother. She called her mom and was like, I'm in Japan and I have this visa and they say I have to leave and I don't know what to do. And her mom was like, come here, go. just don't go there. And she's like, what am I supposed to do, work at Burger King? And her mom was like, yeah, you fucking work at Burger King. Yeah. You just, you don't go back to where you were.
2: Uh, Stone Cold is interviewing Triple H. We see a clip of that. And asks if China will ever enter the Hall of Fame. From a career standpoint, should she be in the Hall of Fame? Absolutely. Bit difficult though, and this is the flip side of the coin that nobody looks at. I got an eight year old kid, and my eight year old kid sees Hall of Fame, and my eight year old kid goes on the internet to look at, well, China. I, I never heard of her. I'm eight years old, I've never heard of that. So I go type that in and I punch it up, and what comes up? And I'm not criticizing any anybody i'm not criticizing lifestyle choices everybody has he's
0: referring reason. to china's adult career
2: well china i think is in the hall of fame now well oh, good after she died i think they did let her
3: in oh cuz that really will make a difference to her
2: mainly it's because they can make money off of her name by putting her likeness in video games and shit like that so it been a, at this point now that she's dead and she can't do more porn or take more drugs or embarrass herself on national TV, now they can take her uh, legacy and mold it to something that suits them.
3: And every day, there's one more thing that makes me, makes me hate the McMahons a little bit more. <laughs> every day.
2: Uh, speaking of, if you want to, like, uh, cringe hard, um, watch the scene in this documentary where Anthony Anzaldo drags uh, China, who looks to be totally, like, slosh out of her head to the wwe headquarters to demand why she can't be and this is like supposed to be documentary fodder for this documentary that they're making this documentary that just looks like the most random shitty thing ever i mean i know everything comes down to editing but shit it's like what is going on with this documentary they don't
3: call he just make makes her walk in and ask to speak to someone that's never going to work.
2: And, of course, they ask him gonna to Are going to bum
3: rush the place and get some results? No. Anyway. He's just a fucking stunt. He's just a fucking stunt queen.
2: But Rob talks about, at this point in the film, the most positive scenes we see of China and Joni are with Rob, and they're, like, goofing around on the beach. They're not drinking. They're not fucking doing pills. They're just having a good time.
3: They're playing. Yeah. They're playing with each other. She's playing the piano at one point. They're messing around in the sand. He's getting her to do yoga, but it's like silly yoga. Like, they're just being, they're just having fun. And there's like a childlike sweetness to her that he talks about loving so much. And they spent an entire summer together. But then he had to leave. And when he left, then she was alone. Again.
2: And Zaldo has big ideas as her protector. That's how he sees himself. and uh, they and she's talking to Dr. Drew and she's essentially trying to get pills real quick, yeah
3: before Dr. Drew gets on the phone. and Zaldo, is that how you say yeah. it? I don't want to say it wrong. Asshole, well, I don't really do. care. Do. <laughs> they have a pre-conversation about what they're gonna say to Drew. Yeah. so it's almost like he's coaching her to be like, well, okay, but don't tell him you take these. Yeah. Tell him about this, but don't tell him about this. And basically they get on the phone and they're like, you're taking oxycodone and benzos? You are going to die. Like Drew, Dr. Drew, who is, as we said, a piece of shit, in that moment, however, gives her good advice because it's just common sense. Like, don't take these things together. You could literally die.
2: Well, even a piece of shit will know like, well, if, if I'm being recorded... In a documentary recommending uh, prescriptions, I don't think I can like act like I don't give a fuck about this. Or
3: but he also wasn't like, "Hey Anthony, take her to the hospital," (laughs) right? Which is what should have happened. He should have been like, "I'm gonna call. I have a connection. What city are you in? I'm gonna call this place. You drive her there right now. We'll get her admitted." That's what should have happened.
2: China says that she has oxycodone, but she's not doing them, which just means like she says she's not
3: doing anything, which means she
2: is. And Zalda wants to film. Uh, Joni reuniting with her mom in North Carolina and the mother she didn't like that she didn't want to be reunited on camera no and you can't you can't blame that you you can't blame anybody for not wanting a personal moment to be filmed yeah like that but we don't really know because obviously she has her own fucking problems too
3: when it was going to be some kind of appearance right and so the mom eventually was like well if this is the only way I'm going to get to see her then yes obviously I will be there but then Joni calls her the night before and is like yelling at her, screaming at her, saying all this stuff because she's probably just like yeah. drugged up and the mom's like, I don't wanna see you like this.
2: So at one point, Joni's fully lapsed. Oh, the mom does not come.
3: Yeah, so she never sees her mom.
2: Uh, and Zaldo tells Joni that things might have to change. She if she can't be controlled, she's so drugged up that even he can't control her. Mm-hmm. And suddenly things need to change. And she says, um, How can you say that? And and then Anzaldo says, she goes, she fires him. And then Anzaldo says, and this is him
0: telling the story. And I started laughing at her. What are you talking about fired? I'm not your manager. I'm your soulmate. And she says, I want you out of my life and I want you out of my life now. And that was the last time her and I communicated. Once she got home, I'm monitoring the situation from behind
2: the scenes. And you can just see the slime dripping off his face. And then Eric Angra talks about how he is giving an interview to her, and he kind of admits that this maybe wasn't the best idea. But he's interviewing her for the documentary while she's just straight up spiraling. Every
0: time I watch the interview, the final one where I ask her these questions, I can hear how my voice is. I can tell that I'm high because I know how my voice is and it's very monotone and I'm asking her, you know, all these questions when she's like clearly like asking for help. I have an horrible anxiety issues, I can't sleep, I, I'm having a hard time eating, I need some help, what, what do you want, me? Can, can you help me? And I'm saying things like, well, why does, how does that make
2: you feel? Yeah, it was China's last message to Eric Angra. If you could go back and change something, what would you do?
0: Well, never do it again. Never do what, though, anything? Never wrestling. I would have been a concert musician or a ballerina professional alcoholic. And I'm just kidding, that I'm just pushing buns right
1: now. Have you been drinking today?
0: No, not yet. Would I have been more proactive to help her? Would I have been better ethically to like figure out what the right decision was? Or was it because I was on heroin I could very coldly interview her and ask her these questions when I knew she was endangering herself? Uh, is this shit interesting to anybody?
2: And Zaldo uh, finds her body And, um, and Eric, uh, breaks the news to Rob.
3: But, 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 and Zaldo is a fucking creep still to the very last second because he didn't go there with Eric, but he went there with another guy filming. Yes. He went to her house. He got a guy with a camera and was like, come with me to China's house because he wanted to film whatever the fuck he was about to find. Yeah. He's the slimiest of slime.
2: True Hollywood trash, this guy.
3: And er- I don't know if it was Eric or Rob. One of them said that they saw the footage. I think it was Rob because Rob was pretty heartbroken about everything. And he actually was like, he saw the footage. He's like, that man has footage of finding her. Yeah. And I don't know why he has it. He's like, I don't know why he has it. I don't know why he keeps it. He needs to destroy it. It's garbage that he has it. Like, it's so fucked up. Ugh.
2: So, Joni, China is passed away. She is overdosed. And Billy Gunn is on screen, and he's like, Man, I was mad. I don't know why. But I was just mad. And Anzaldo apparently was supposed to have scattered these ashes someplace specific. Ooh. But he ended up keeping them.
3: He was supposed to scatter two-thirds of them and send a third to her, his, her mother. But he sent a third to her mother... He scattered a third, and he put a third in a fucking urn that he bedazzled yeah, and then carried around to events to, like, ha- let people take photos with China's ashes.
2: Well, Eric onger is eventually charged with the possession and distribution. Yeah, um, which only, I'm
3: sure he was fine. Only
2: a matter of time. But he, they lost control of the film, obviously. Yeah. And honestly, this sounds like... I guess you could take all this footage and do something with it. I think this is the first time I would ever say, don't bother. Honestly, don't bother. Well, this bother.
3: is what they did with it.
2: Unless you, unless you completely, well, yeah, I guess so. This is what, But it is yeah. framed in a way. It's not just that, you know. No, but it, yeah. But it's framed in a way. And you know there's a lot more footage than we even saw in here. I think the only way this should be anything, is if you completely take it away from everyone that was involved and try to do something with it. But it just seems yeah. like there's really nothing here other than just watching someone slowly die. Yeah. And that's the movie, the Vice Versa documentary, China, by Mara Strauss. Now, I knew this would be like a sad story, but it was so much... It came off so much rougher than I even expected. I it, it Intensely... So sad. Cause mm-hmm. you're talking about someone who who at the same time was she's described as someone who's very bubbly, outgoing, charismatic, who had serious self esteem issues at mm-hmm. the same time. Mm-hmm. It was you're and especially at the latter half of her life, you're like talk you're talking about someone who and especially just being controlled and this is of course addiction as well, who kind of underestimated what they brought into this world.
3: There was a point where she was on that, that interview with the writer, and she's like, I would like to someday be, and he's like, stop, stop, stop.
0: Wrestling is part of culture, right, in, in a sense. Don't you want a success story? I want to be one of those people. <laughs> I want to be a success out of the wrestling, and I would think Wait a that- minute, first of all, let me clarify something for you. You are a what, what? I'm going to be a success story. You are a success story. There was one China.
3: One. You are China. Yeah. How do you not know that you are? You're a fucking big deal.
2: Yeah, and these Anzaldo people, the Eric Angra, these like Hollywood ticks hanging off of her. They know what she is. But she's she's like the only one that just isn't impressed everyone tries is trying to suck the life out of her and she's the only one that thinks that she's not what she is
3: because because and this is obviously like conjecture if she was who she wanted to be if things had worked out the way they were supposed to work out if she could get to that point then she could be happy and then people would love her and things would be okay but she never got to that point so she feels like she's a failure you know, like yeah. she doesn't fe- she blames herself, but when she was just like shit on over and over and over again. Sure, maybe she did some shitting too, but that guy didn't seem mad at her about she's it. It seemed no. okay. Like, but you know, people just over and over again like using her and shitting on her, and obviously she had some issues.
2: But she did inspire like a generation of women to come up into the wrestling industry. Little kids who were watching her at that time. There's a lot of people who grew up and now women's wrestling is like a more legitimate thing than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. And it's growing. And honestly, the best part of a lot of WWE is the women's wrestling, despite their terrible booking, the the women's wrestling still seems to shine. Yeah. Out of more than anything. So, yeah, it's just a sad fucking story. Sad story all around. But we but we know the legacy that she left and yeah. it, it was terrible. And she made a lot of mistakes. There's a lot of stuff that she should have owned up to that. She didn't, you know, we're all human and we're all fucked up and addiction is a hell of a thing.
3: Yeah. I mean, and that, that that's what's so upsetting about this and what's so unfortunate about it is like, yes, yes, of course, ultimately like you have to say, hi, I do need help and I'm willing to like get help. Like you do have to like take that ownership, but when you also have people going, oh, here, let me get you your pill. That's not helping. No. You know, like, people who are like, oh, maybe you do need to go to rehab, but let's go to these three Comic-Cons first. Like, that's bullshit. Yeah. Not that not that she was innocent. Who knows if she'd had some different manager, if things had happened differently. If she'd, you know, not gotten with X-Pac when she did, if things would have happened differently. Like, who knows? You can't know. But she did seem to just have really bad luck on top of being someone who was very susceptible to addiction and anxiety and honestly self-hatred. Yeah. And it breaks my heart.
2: Angela, we don't rate documentaries in stars. China was a big star. But we she don't. Was. we don't rate documentaries in that. We rate them in Herzogs. You're going to give one through five Herzogs? I'm going to give it one through five Herzogs combined for best out of 10. What did you think of the Vice Versa documentary, China by Mara Strauch? I feel
3: like it's really hard for me to pick a number on this one because I'm obviously very worked up about it and i felt a lot of feelings about it. And I am glad that I know this story. I guess as far as the way it was laid out, I actually don't think it was laid out very well. I wish it had been more linear. The bouncing around was a bit too much for me I wish they'd kind of... Yeah, I wish it had just been... I just wish it had been more linear. That was... Sure. I didn't love that. Um, Everything else, I guess, was fine.
2: Um, 3.5. Okay. I can definitely see how you felt a little overwhelmed by the going back and forth. I think uh, that's a pretty apt criticism uh, for this film. Probably, like, the the biggest criticism, you could probably come up with it. But if I had to... If I was... If someone was to ask me... Recommend a documentary that that would show layers and layers of sc- entertainment industry scuds.
3: True, yeah.
2: Damn, yeah. this one's got everything in it. Yeah. It's got the tragedy. It's got different types of douchebags at every level. It's kind of impressive how slimy this is. And it's not... And I think they, they presented this slime in a way where even though Joni wasn't perfect, it did it didn't it didn't bury her.
3: No. It was very
2: honest, but it was just like damn, you know? Damn. It, it, when the documentary ended, it left me thinking, like, man, what really could have been here if she just maybe but a lot but people who did try to support her uh, would probably maybe would have gotten pushed out. Addiction's a fucking terrible thing. It, yeah. it usually can't go down if you can survive it, then it usually has to hit a head and a certain way for people to get through that.
3: You know you're right. the people who did try to help her she didn't she shoved them out completely. Yeah.
2: And um, but boy, uh, an impressive amount of scumbaggery in this movie just for that reason alone, I think you're right, it kinda does jerk back and forth, but it was very entertaining. I'm gonna go a .25 higher than you. I'm gonna give it a 3.75. So that brings the total to 7.25 out of 10 Herzogs for the Vice Versa documentary, China, by Mara Strausch. Um, You seem very sad. Do you wanna watch some wrestling?
3: Yeah, that'll make me feel better.
2: Cool. (laughs) Keep on dogging
0: How long have you been in wrestling? About six months And um, it feels like a lot longer Because I have found my element So I feel like I've been doing it forever I I'm all the way from
1: Boston
0: under the I'm killing Kowalski to kick some butt down here. And let me tell you something. Ladies, I'm going to get your belt. And guys, I'm going for your belt. You hear that? Let me wait till everybody's in here to tell you that I didn't lose that match because I beat his ass in front of all of his fans.
1: Well, well, well. I am a sex robot. Congrats on Bob and Angela for being able to sneak wrestling into the... uh, documenteers. They tried an actual wrestling podcast that didn't pan out so now they have to drag you into this. Boy was this some sad shit. I'm so glad I'm not human, but I am Korean on the inside. If you like the show and want to support it for some reason, then please listen, subscribe and recommend. The best way to support the show is to leave a star rating and a written review on Apple Podcast. This helps other insufferable nerds find the show. Five-star written reviews will be read on the show at a later time. If you would like to send death threats or insults to the show, then email us at documenteerspodcast at gmail.com and hit us up on Instagram. Bob is almost ready to set a streaming schedule on Twitch and we will let you know when that happens. Won't that be exciting for nobody? Next week, Akiel returns. I promise this time that he will be here. I'm sorry that Bob keeps making jokes about fucking your mom. The truth is, I fucked your mom. She licked my batteries. I am a sex robot. Keep on docking.
0: Hey guys, I'm finally Korean.
2: Those two weren't good for each other.